welcome to As Attack. This is a new podcast here on Total Badness where I will be looking at news from the week and talking about it. It's uh, it's not like a lot of other news shows where they just basically just cover every news story. I've picked three and I talk about them and they're not necessarily uh, just like this happened. It's like it's going to I'm going to go in depth on a lot of this these sort of issues. You'll see. You'll see when we get there. Um, you can send questions in to the show. I don't have any this week because it's the first episode. But if you want to send questions in, our uh, podcast is asattackpod at gmail.com. And I'll try to answer any questions you may have. Uh, we're going to get into our first story this week. Like I said, I'm not going to get into, like... I'm not going to read every article ever made. And I'm not going to talk about boring articles either. Uh, this is going to be a show for talking about things that I'm interested in and also deep diving into some of the just like crazy stories, basically, from the week. Just crazy, crazy stuff from the week. Um, starting with this, Atari is releasing a $1,000 box set for its 50th anniversary, and it's only making 100 of them. Uh, this is from IGN. Adam Bankhurst wrote it. Uh, Atari is celebrating its 50th anniversary in style with a 999.99 collectible box set that features 10 Atari 2600 cartridges with reimagined artwork, acrylic toppers that light up when inserted into the console, and more. Oh, and there will only be 100 of them available worldwide. Now, first problem with this article is that it does not mention the fact that um, these, these were available individually for a hundred dollars each on the Atari website. Uh, they, they put up pre-orders. This is the box set. Uh, it comes with 10 games, adventure, missile command, warlords, super breakout, crystal castles, uh, haunted house, Yars revenge, centipede, asteroids, and gravitar. And, uh, here's what they look like. That's, that's the cartridge and it has a light up sort of plaque on top. Um, and they've got sort of new, Newish box art here, instruction manual, uh, patch, something else, badge or something, uh, and they all they all come with that stuff. Very cool. I do like the super breakout sort of spaceman look. That that artwork is is very cool. Haunted house. That artwork is very cool. Yeah. These look nice. They they all look very nice. But yes, these were available individually as well. But it's all sold out. So if you wanted to just get one or two of them, you could have. But the the full package is only yeah. They've only made a hundred. They're still available. No one's no one's bought the whole hundred yet. So if you're interested in paying one thousand US dollars for ten. Atari 2600 games. Seems like a ripoff to me, but they are available. I guess if you really love Atari 2600 so much, you, you, you maybe it's worth it to you to have all of the special edition cartridges and artwork and such. Uh, also included are cardstock posters, instructional, ma- instructional manuals with bonus material, hard enamel pins, Patches, certificates of authenticity, and a digital copy of each game that can be played on the Atari VCS, uh, which, if you don't know what that is, 
It came out a few years ago for like $800 Australian. Uh, and I'm pretty sure they are heavily discounted if you are looking to play whatever you can play on an Atari VCS. If that wasn't enough, when you put all 10 cartridges together, they display the Atari 50th anniversary logo, making it a perfect item for any collector's shelf, which, yeah, that's what we saw here. It's with the, the sides of them. Wait, so he, he mentions... Wait, he mentions displaying when you put all of them together, right, but he doesn't mention the fact that they they were available. I mean, this article was updated, so maybe it originally said that, and then they took it out, but I don't know. I'm not a writer for IGN, thankfully. There's only one way Atari is celebrating it. It's uh, this big milestone, as it previously released Atari 50, the anniversary celebration, and we fell in love with it. Okay. Yeah, this is cool. I, I do I do really like the art. I don't like that it's $1,000. That seems expensive. $100 each for... Like, would, would, would I pay $100 for any of these? No. Actually, I have a lot of these already. And I paid a lot less than $100 each for them. Um, I do like the artwork, though. On some of them. This centipede artwork is kind of lame. But Yars Revenge artwork is also kind of lame. These others aren't too bad. I wouldn't say it's worth $100 just for that artwork on that one cartridge. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say about this. It does exist if you want it, and you can buy it. Justin Roiland was reportedly not very involved with Rick and Morty, says uh, The Hollywood Reporter. This article, though, comes from GameSpot, who is basically just writing their own article about The Hollywood Reporter article, which I guess that's what... People do these days, they just see an article and they then write their own article about that article. As the fallout of domestic violence allegations against Justin Rowling continues, The Hollywood Reporter has published an article citing multiple sources suggesting that, other than voice work, Rowland has not had any meaningful creative presence on any of the series that bear his name. You know, I'm a sceptical person at times. I do wonder if, if these... You know, after all these companies have parted ways with him after these allegations, I wonder if this is just their way of uh, saving their own ass and being like, "Look, he hasn't been involved anyway." Okay, so just don't worry, don't worry about the future of the shows. He he hasn't been, he's hardly he's hardly even been there. All right, he did some voices and then he left. Um. So that's a skeptical part of my brain, but then there's the other part of my brain that's like, well, maybe they're right, and uh, you know, I guess the shows will just be continue to be the shows they are, just with someone else doing the voice of Rick and Morty, or you know, whatever the characters are on Solar Opposites. I watched like ten minutes of the first episode of Solar Opposites, and it was not for me. But um, the article goes on to say that many of Royland's former colleagues say they haven't heard from him in years. And when they have, it's been unpleasant, which I would buy. 
I don't think Justin Roiland would be a great person to talk to, honestly. Um, and then they go into what he's been charged with, and I don't want to talk about that. Uh, Adult Swim, Squanch Games, and Hulu have all cut ties with him. He pled not guilty. And the court will reconvene on April 27th. In the meantime, the Hollywood article, the Holly, that should be the Hollywood Reporter article, presents a more in-depth look at the working environment that had developed around Royland's shows, and perhaps why he was ultimately not so involved day-to-day with other co-workers. For example, a few sources speak to the fundamentally different interests and approaches to storytelling at Rick and Morty between, between co-creators Dan Harmon and Royland, one unnamed source says Dan is all on the page and mathematical about story breaking, and these guys that Justin hired were like, Look, I drew a turd with eyes. Let's do a story about that. I mean, I would watch it. But still, <laughs> that's very funny. I would I would love to be in that room <laughs> with just for the Dan Harmon reaction to someone doing that. That's very funny to think about. Uh, when the sh- uh, by season three, when the show hired its first batch of female writers, Royland was surly, petulant, uncommunicative, and grouchy, like he always wished he was doing something else. Well, there you go. Uh, currently, Rick and Morty is set to run at Adult Swim without Royland through to season ten, and season seven is currently in production, so... I guess we'll see how season seven goes without him. But uh, this is crazy. It's crazy that, um, you know, all this has happened. I I guess I've learned the last few years, well, even longer than the last few years, but it's just like, don't don't, uh, idolize people for the work they make, I guess. Just, Just watch the thing, and if you enjoy the thing, then good for you, but uh, maybe just don't bother following the creators or something, you know, between Joss Whedon and Royland and uh, Louis C.K. and uh, all of these people I used to um, look up to. It's, um, It's a shame. Uh, you know, and like J.K. Rowling, I mean, obviously Hogwarts Legacy just came out today for some people. And, um, you know, she's she's been very toxic. She's a toxic person. She says a lot of bad things. And um, it's like... I like Harry Potter. I, I, and, you know, I think Hogwarts Legacy looks like a cool game. I like what I've seen of it. And it's disappointing to me that I'm, I'm not allowed to like these things. Or, you know, I, f- I feel pressured to not like these things because of the creators behind them. Um, but then I, you know, I've realized that uh, these shows and these movies and... Books, stand-up comedy—I don't know. It's they're their own thing, separate from the creator of it. It's its own thing. Stand-up comedy is probably harder to separate. <laughs> separate that from because it's 
the person who wrote it is saying it on a stage. But um, when it comes to animated shows or shows where it's just, you know, written by a person or a movie that's written by a person, uh, it's easier to separate from them because, you know, there's a lot more people involved than just the person who created it. It's... You've got actors, you've got directors and all the rest of the cast and crew involved that have put time and effort, developers, in the, into the games. You know, all these people have put a lot of time and effort into making something that they are proud of just to have one person go and say something very shitty. Um, or do something very shitty in the case of Justin Roiland. It's more than shitty. It's it's incredibly very very bad. Um. Yeah, you should. I don't think you should let should let the one person mess up your enjoyment of a thing. So, um, good luck to whoever has to take over his voice on Rick and Morty. I guess uh, I don't envy that person. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that show will be fine. And I don't know if Solar Opposites is any good, but, you know, that's all I have to say about that. But that's it. So Gaming Bolt, <clears throat> this is, is going to be my, like my main thing this week is critiquing this video from Gaming Bolt. Uh, they put out this video, why Sony made a mistake focusing on PSVR 2 instead of a new next-gen handheld. Uh, now, I don't have any timestamps, and I don't know if I can just play the video without getting struck. They've got 1.21 million subscribers, which is about 1.21 million more than me. So... I will just skip through it. But the basic idea, it does make a good point. Okay, there is a good point in this video, is that comparatively, PSVR, the first one, didn't sell many units. It sold a third of what the PS Vita did. 15 million PS Vitas were sold. To date, the first PSVR has sold about... 5 million. That's a good point. Why would why would they focus on making a PSVR 2 instead of another handheld? That's a great question. I understand. Good point. But if you look at the most popular VR headsets and which have which ones have generated the most revenue, I'm sure you will see an answer. So there's this article from VR.space. There, that's just a website all about VR. And uh, so this is relatively recent because some of this is from 2020, 2019. So at the moment, the the top selling headset is the, um, the Oculus Quest or the MetaQuest. Two, as it is now, and uh, so right. So these are the top 
I don't know how many this is. But these are the top-selling VR headsets. Oculus Go sold $2 million for $398 million revenue. Oculus Quest is next. $1.1 million sold, $438 million. Oculus Rift, $1.5 million sold, $598 million revenue. Still no PSVR yet. HTC Vive, $1.3 million sold, $1 billion, $1 billion revenue. PlayStation VR has sold to date, like I said, 5 million units with a revenue of $1.4 billion. It is second only to the Oculus Quest 2. The PSVR is the second best-selling, highest-revenue VR headset of all time. The Oculus Quest has sold... uh, Oculus Quest slash MetaQuest 2 has sold 10 million units with a crazy almost 3 billion revenue. So PSVR has sold half of what the Oculus Quest 2 has. But Oculus Quest 2 is is a separate thing. It's a lot... Uh, well, I, I think it's around the same price, actually, as, as what the PSVR is. But then you've got to factor in the fact... Factor in the fact that uh, you have to have a console for the PSVR. You have to have a PS4 or a PS5. Um, so... There are a lot of other factors as to why PSVR hasn't sold as many as an Oculus Quest 2. But the Oculus Quest 2 is its own thing. You can just get one and just use it. You don't have to have all this extra stuff. Out of all the headsets that need all of this extra stuff, PSVR has sold the most. More than the Vive, more than the Rift, more than the first Quest, which... That that was a single thing that needed its own that didn't need extra stuff too. So you know, like PSVR sold very very well comparatively to other VR headsets. It may not have sold as many units as a Vita, but it sold a lot of VR headsets, and there are a lot a lot less VR headsets than handheld gaming systems which this this video doesn't talk about at all they don't talk about the revenue they just talk about how many units it sold and the revenue is where they make all the money <laughs> they they don't make a ton of money on the headsets themselves it's it's the revenue from selling games from selling cameras that were needed to use the headset, um, PlayStation Moves. This actually, this video does mention the PlayStation Move uh, as one of the uh, PlayStation peripherals that did sell very well. I think they sold about fifteen million uh, in the first couple of years. But then we don't know how many it sold due to the PlayStation VR because they released new Move controllers with updated charging ports um, that, you know, if, if you wanted to play 
a lot of games, you need at least one PlayStation Move. Like, I mean, you can use a controller for a lot of them too, but, you know, if you wanted to do tricky hand stuff, uh, you needed a Move, at least one. And then you get two, and you can play games like Beat Saber. So... Sony, Sony hasn't put out numbers about how many moves it sold due to the PlayStation VR. Um, so I, d- I don't know how many it sold since the first 15 million. But I'm sure it's included in the PSVR revenue, right? Maybe not. I don't know. But it's a lot of revenue for a VR headset. And, yeah, so then the article, go, this, this video goes on about, uh, well, let's see, um, about how, how, how it would be a better idea for them to release a new handheld instead of focusing on the PlayStation VR 2. Well, you only sold 5 million PlayStation VRs, why would you now just focus on a PSVR 2 when this growing handheld space is right there for the taking uh sony tried the handheld space twice and you know the first time around did pretty well which is how they ended up making a second handheld the second handheld didn't do very well and there's a number of reasons for that it's it's a separate handheld like it's a separate thing if you're comparing it to the switch which they they do in in this video, they're saying like if it, they would, the Switch is doing so well, the Steam Deck's doing so well. Why not make a new handheld? Well, it's because there's the Switch and there's the Steam Deck. These are two very good handhelds that do different things than a Sony handheld would do. If you are looking at the Switch. I hate to tell you this, I'm sorry, but I'm sure if you were to ask, if you were to poll a bunch of people, what do you mainly use the Switch as, a home console or as a portable, I'm sure the majority of people would tell you they just plug it into the TV and leave it there. Yes, there is probably a a large group of people that do use it portable. And they do take it out and they do use it. But the Switch can be both. It's a home console and it's a portable. If Sony makes a new portable, it would be a portable only because they have the PS5. They're not just going to make a portable and home console in one. That's not Sony's thing. They have a console for home. And now they don't want, to, they don't want anything to do with portables because of how badly the last one went. And there's, re- I mean, you can also talk about the fact that there's reasons beyond just it's a handheld as to why it didn't sell well. You got the memory card situation, um, you know, proprietary cartridges for games and things like that. There's, there's issues beyond just it being a handheld and no one wanting it. There was, there was other reasons, I guess. But the fact is, they tried it. A second time and it failed they don't want to do it again the steam deck 
Again, sorry if there's noise in the background. The Steam Deck is, again, its own thing. You can use it as a handheld or as a thing you can plug into a monitor or a TV and play games on. It's a, it's a PC. It's a portable PC is what it is. It does more than just be a handheld. And also, it's a lot more open than what a Sony handheld console would be. It's not a closed system. It's running Windows. Oh, sorry. It's running Linux. Uh, and you can use that like a PC. You can install software on it and use it like a PC. So it's, again, it's its own thing. And people buy it because of how many things you can do with it. It's not just about, oh, I have a handheld and it plays games. There's more to it. And for the price, again, for the price, it's a very good deal. I think it's 400 US or something. So that's a very good deal for what that system is. So, Sony, you know, they're not going to make another handheld. Why would they? There's already companies doing it way better than them. And they don't want to get out of the home console space because that's where they've made all of their money. And they also made a lot of money on the the first PSVR. So there's no point in making a handheld. They didn't make a mistake focusing on PSVR 2 instead of a handheld. This would be like... This would be like saying... What like back in the day, why are they making a PS Vita instead of another iToy or something? Like they're two different things. <laughs> These aren't related. One made a lot of money and the other one didn't. Like iToy iToy sold a lot of units. Am I saying iToy weird? Oi, 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 the, the PSP did very well. So, of course, they made another handheld. The PSVR did very well, comparatively to other VR headsets. So, of course, they're going to make another PSVR. They're a company first. They're a company that's made to make money. So, of course, they're going to go and make the thing that's going to make them more money. Why make another handheld that's going to fail if they can make another PSVR that has the potential? We'll see how it goes. That price is... Re- like, I'm not, I'm not defending PSVR 2 here either. The, the price is fucking ridiculous. The fact that it's more expensive than the console is insane. You, you've, you've got to spend almost $2,000... To, to to play PlayStation VR 2 games. Like, that's ridiculous. So, 
there's definitely uh, going to be issues with with the PSVR two, but at the end of the day, I understand why they would make that over making um, you know another handheld. That's uh, it's just a ridiculous question. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gaming Bolt. But I just I had to uh, I had to talk about this because I saw this video and then also in the comments. Let's see, um, let's see what the comments are like. I'll switch back over here. Um, Steam has just proved how well of a how well a, how well of a device handheld can be with the Steam Deck. I don't think Sony will do it because Steam Deck is third party where Sony will limit it to their store. They won't allow emulation, which what attracts handheld users to the platform, unless they do something like Xbox with backwards compatibility. Guy has a point. Yeah, Steam Deck's d done really well. So, you know, why would Sony, why would Sony bother? They, they know they couldn't come close. Um, this person, Pigus, says, yes, they should focus on a boring, done-before Handheld and not an exciting new emerging technology that brings totally new gaming experiences. Brilliant. I mean, VR at this point has been around for a while. I wouldn't say it's an exciting new emerging technology at this point. Um, but, again, like, yes, I. why do another handheld? Makes no sense. Uh, the inevitable future, this is from Bean. the inevitable future of gaming as a service and game... Streaming seems to be the reasoning behind this decision. PlayStation sees itself as a hardware company first, has been resisting in shifting its business to a service model. Handheld game consoles will be replaced by mobile phones once streaming is the norm. Being able to be ahead in the VR headset game will allow Sony to keep a firm foot inside the closed hardware ecosystem they're currently so familiar with. Simple as that. It is a long-term decision. I I don't think I think PSVR 2 is, go, is going to be a long-term uh, thing, uh, you know, I, ho I hope it is. Sony doesn't have a great history of um, sort of backing up their um, hardware devices. Uh, this video does make a point of, of saying that there haven't been a, a lot of announced first-party games for this thing yet, and that is a good point. You know, uh, maybe it's maybe it'll rely more on the third-party stuff, but. Um, We'll see. I, I, you know, hopefully they back it up, and but it also it comes down to how well it sells, and for that price, I don't, I don't know how well it's going to sell. Uh, it's a it's a wait and see kind of thing, I guess. So that is that. That's all I have to talk about this week. Thank you for watching. I will see you again next week for another as attack goodbye Marcus.